Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com We hope you enjoy this message. You know, they do take some control in these children, do, don't they? But I love that. I, you know, I'm at home with that. I can cope with that. Um, so, but it's just great to have the children here. Um, and, you know, and in our regular services, when, we, um, you know, when, when we're not sort of having everyone together, the children get that fantastic teaching. You know, and they get introduction and they have a great time when they go out from here that doesn't mean any adults can creep off with them unless you're one of the teachers so uh, but they have a great time but it's just great to have us all here as a family I'm not going to strike into that song we are family but but no I'm not Uh, but I am going to I just feel laid on my heart to speak about the blessed family. Yeah. I don't know about you, but when, I, when you talk to people about God, when you talk to people about our Heavenly Father, it's quite interesting to see that there's often uh, perceptions of the extreme. So on one, uh, one extreme, at one end there of the continuum, you have people who think about God as... Almost, you know, a jovial Father Christmas. You know, big and uh, a big white beard and dressed in white instead of red, of course. But, you know, and, and, and that sort of character. And then there are other people right at the other end of the continuum who, who think about God as this really harsh individual um, who is judgmental, um, who feels that, you know, you can, uh, 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 tells you you can never do it, uh, you can never make it, you can never get it right. And, and, and the, both of those extremes are what they are. They are extremes. I want to tell you this morning that we serve a God who loves to bless. We serve a God, a heavenly Father loves to bless. He he, he loves to bless families. He loves to bless individuals. He loves to touch our lives. That's why, of course, when the miraculous birth of Israel was promised to Abraham, God told him, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. blessed. That's the God we serve, friends. That's the God we serve. If you don't know him, I want, to, I, I, I want to wholeheartedly recommend you to a God that wants to bless you. And God, this God, our God, he is interested in family. He loves to see lines of faith established. He loves to see families from generation to generation going on. People who are passionate about following Jesus. 
And of recent weeks, and certainly a few weeks ago, and Danny mentioned it last week again, but a few weeks ago, Danny um, shared a word about the household. And in sharing that, it's quite amazing because the scripture that he shared, I just want to, and just please excuse me for a personal testimony, um, but I just wanted to share just a little about a personal testimony in relation to my life and my family. Because I, I come from a family that did not, did not follow the Lord, they didn't profess to be Christians, but when Jesus got a hold of my life, I, I was only just about 15 years of age, but Jesus just completely revolutionized my life. And I started, I just started to read the word. I, I got a hold of, of the New Testament and I was, just, I was just devouring the New Testament. And I came across the story in Acts of the Apostles of the Philippian jailer when uh, two apostles called Paul and Silas were in jail uh, and God broke them out. And because of that, the jailer was just about to kill him uh, and, and Paul shouted out to him. And then at one point, the jailer shouts out, well, what do I need to do to be saved? And Paul said this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. Now I, I just read that. You know, I didn't know anything about words like Rima word and Logos word. I didn't understand, you know, hardly anything. I was just a young Christian. I didn't know, you know, people talked about God talking to them and speaking to them. And, you know, I, I couldn't sort of say I felt God speaking to me. But, you know, somehow I just felt, I just believed that. I, I, I just believed that verse in Acts of the Apostles that if, as I believed on the Lord, he not only saved me, but he would save my household. I just took it, Lord, Jesus, I'm, I'm just so thrilled. I just wanted my whole family to know Jesus and just cutting all a long story short I, I came from a big family um, there was I'd got three brothers and three sisters and then obviously a parent I can tell you now that my parents came to know Jesus in an absolutely astounding way incredible how God moved upon my father, who was really, he, he, he was godless and violent and aggressive. God got a proud man. God got a hold of him and in a second changed his life and his whole thinking from a man that vowed he would never, ever set foot um, in the chapel or the church that I went to he said, when I come out of this hospital, I'm coming to chapel. That was just it. My mother gave her life to Jesus. And after, after the, the death of my father, she just went on to serve Jesus in the church. She was just a light to, to people all around her. She encouraged the young. She was 70 plus 
um, age at that time. But, you know, she could mix with the, the five-year-olds and the ten-year-olds and the fifth. She was just wonderful. And brothers and sisters that I'd God just had the opportunity to pray with them and, and see them give their life to Jesus. So I want to tell you this morning that God wants to establish lines of faith. People here this morning, you may come from better backgrounds from, than me. You may come from worse backgrounds from, than, than me. But it's not about your background. It's about the foreground. It's about what's in front of you. And I believe this morning that God wants to take this word and, and plant it in your heart that you might settle in your spirit. I'm going to believe that God is going to establish a line of faith in my family from this day. I'm going to stand for Jesus. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to speak for him. I'm going to show Jesus to my family, regardless of where they are, regardless of their opinion. You can believe today to see a line of faith established through your life this morning. I want to look at I want to look at a family this morning. A family who lived 3,000 years ago. It's a long time. Family who lived about 3,000 years ago. And they are examples to us. We can learn something from this family uh, this morning that we can take with us uh, and that we can encourage us. It's the family of... Samuel. You find the story of Samuel in Samuel, the first book of Samuel and chapter 1. We're not going to bring any scriptures up at this moment in time, but you just look there at 1 Samuel and chapter 1 and you will read about a man, first of all, a man called Elkanah. A man called Elkanah. This is the future father of Samuel. And it's quite interesting. You, you, you want to read it when you get home sometime. You want to read this story uh, of Elkanah and Samuel. And as you read it there, you will find in 1 Samuel 1, you'll find that when it introduces Elkanah, it talks about Elkanah's father. And then it talks about Elkanah's grandfather and great-grandfather. What was happening was a line of faith was being established, had been established, just as I believe God wants to establish lines of faith this morning here. I want to say, brethren, men, God is looking for men like Elkanah. Men who will be fathers of faith. Men who will, uh, who will be fathers like Paul was. You know, Paul, he, he was a father. He, he, he talked about himself as the father to the Corinthian church. In fact, he says to them at one point, you've got a lot of instructors 
You know, you may have thousands of instructors. Does it ever feel like that with you sometimes? You know, you, there's a lot of people who are ready to say, don't do this and don't do that, and this is the way you need to do it, and this isn't the way you need to do it. You know, there are people like that. And Paul is saying, look, church, you may have a lot of instructors, but you've only got one father. I, he says a powerful word here. He says, I have begotten you. In other words, Paul, through prayer, through intercession, um, through hardship, he gave birth to a church, friends. I believe, I believe with all my heart that there are men here. You may have only known Jesus for a short time, but God wants to make you men. He wants to make you fathers. He wants you to begin a line of faith. Praise God. And then we'll look at his wife. Or we're going to look at one wife in particular. He had two wives, uh, but it's not to be recommended. <laughs> We're going to look at his wife called Hannah. She, this lady... Hannah means grace. The word Hannah means grace. She was a woman. She was a wife who probably above everything else knew how to pray. She knew how to pray. She was in a desperate need. For, for herself, she felt a, a sense of shame. Um, she was in a desperate need she was embarrassed about many things, but above everything else, she was childless. And she just laid hold upon God for this. One occasion when they were visiting the temple, she just got on her own with God. And this is what I mean when I say she was a woman who knew how to pray. She wasn't able to pray in the temple um, just like that, she'd learnt to pray in the closet. She, she, you know, it wasn't, something, it wasn't something new to her when she went to the temple to pray. It was something that was part of her life. And I thank God for women in this church who know how to pray. But she was there in the temple and have you ever been in that position where just words are never sufficient anymore. Where your heart is so full that all you can do is just mouth uh, a sense of, of desperation out to God. And that's where she was in the temple. And, and Eli saw her, who was the priest, I'm sad to say, a backslidden priest. Eli saw her um, and he actually started to reprove her and correct her uh, and chide with her, saying, you know, what, what are you doing? Coming into the temple um, and you, you, you've been drinking. Uh, he just totally, he missed it, friends. Here was a woman who knew how to pray. You know, she also was part of a line of faith. 
just like Timothy. You've heard of Timothy. Timothy was one, again, one of the pastors, I believe, apostles that Paul, again, nurtured uh, in the faith. But Timothy, Timothy, if you read the book of Timothy, you'll read something like this. Paul's speaking of him, and he says, I see, I see the faith of your grandmother. Her name was Lois. And I see the faith of your mother. Her name was Eunice. And he said, and I'm persuaded that that faith is in you as well. What was she? She was a line of faith. She was part of a family that had been blessed. And then, within this family, this is why it's great to have all the children with us today. Because in this family, there was a child that God gave, who was called, they called him Samuel. 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 Samuel was really the result of a praying mother. We know Samuel. When we think about Samuel, we think about an incredible leader. We, you know, when I think about Samuel, I think about this powerful man, a leader of people. We think about this incredible, incredible prophet. But I want to tell you, all of us, children as well, I want to tell you that before he led a nation, he served in the ordinary details of the temple. He was, just think about this, he was at the beck and call of Eli the priest. His parents took him to the temple. They would have taken him about the age of five years of age. They would have taken Samuel to the temple. And they left him there. And he just, you know, if something needed picking up, Samuel was going to pick it up. If something needed sweeping, Samuel was going to be the one who was doing the sweeping. Even though, even though around, around him, there was Eli who wasn't doing so well, but even worse than that, there were, there were Eli's sons who were absolute reprobates. You know, they, were, they were doing all manner of things, uh, evil things, for which in actual fact they did see the judgment of God, I have to say. But, you know, there was no example. There was no example to him. He was in a nation that really was relatively uh, backslid. He was away from home. At times he was homesick. He must have been homesick. He saw his parents once a year. Once a year, uh, they, 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 he saw his parents. You know, this young lad, as he grew, as he got into teenage years, he had every excuse, naturally speaking, for doing his own thing. Whatever circumstances you may have prevalent in your life this morning I want to say you can still find a relationship with God 
Everything seemed to be stacked against this young man growing into the man that he became. But instead, instead of it all, he developed a relationship with God himself. He didn't look to Eli for it. He, did, he couldn't look to the sons of Eli for it. He didn't look to anywhere else. Perhaps sometimes when he was alone at night, as he sought the Lord, he would think on, because no doubt, no doubt his mother shared with him the miracle of his birth. She would share with him how she prayed and she would share with him a bit later on how that God is, God is no man's debtor. Because, you know, this is the incredible thing. That they gave Samuel, but God gave them another at least five children. <laughs> God, gave them, God gave them sons and daughters. Praise God. Isn't that so his mother would have shared all that with him. And he would think about that. And you know, above everything else, he learned to listen. Children, can I just speak to you? Because if I speak to you, children, I know the adults are going to listen as well. I want you, I want you to learn to listen for God to speak into your lives. I want you to learn to listen to God. Because God has something to speak into your lives. No matter how young you are. He was only a young boy when one day he felt that Eli was calling him. So he sort of, he went along to Eli. You know, what is it you want? Well, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. Several times he did that until Eli just twigged and said, the next time you call, who was it? God was speaking into his life. God wants to speak into your lives, children. I believe God wants to speak into your lives. And if he wants to speak into the children's lives, I want to tell you, he wants to speak into our lives. One thing, one word really, describes this family. And why this family came to be blessed. And it's called obedience. Obedience. You just look at them. You know, they could have, they could have just, Elkanah could have just gone along and just done his own thing. Uh, uh, Hannah could have just, if she, you know, she could have just gone down the bitter route. The regret route. They went down the obedient route. In fact, later on, this is what Samuel, this is what Samuel had to say when he was a, when he was an adult, when he was a grown man, when he was in uh, the power of his ministry. This is what Samuel said. He said, "What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to His voice?" Listen, obedience, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. We're, we encourage all of us 
We encourage us in this church that first of all, things have to start with who we are before who we become and what we do. It always starts, as Andy said uh, just last week, it all, it's all a matter of the heart. And obedience is a matter of the heart. I want to say that when we have our heart right, when we have that submission part right, then when we are what we should be, we will do what we should do. Can I say that again? When we are what we should be, we will do what we should do. And the doing, the doing needs to spring from a heart that is committed, that is surrendered, that's obedient. What might have seemed mundane to Samuel became blessed and it became a delight. Whatever, friends, we find to do in serving Jesus, in serving within the church, it may seem mundane at times, but it will become a delight because it's coming from a heart that seeks to be obedient. Let me just read a quote from A.W. Tozer. Says this, the child of God must be obedient to the word of the Lord. The driver on the road is safe, not when he reads the signs, but when he obeys them. You've been there, haven't you? You know, we can all see that 30, that 30 speed limit. We can read it for all, we, all we're worth. But you know, when you get a ticket that says you were doing 38 miles an hour, it's, it's obeying them, isn't it? We can, we can fill our days. I mean, sadly, people don't do this. Um, would, that, would that more people would read the word, friends. There is, there is really a scarcity. There is a poverty within the church in general of people who do not read the word. But, you know, we need to be people who don't just read the word. But we need to be people who apply the word. We need to be people who say, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to do. I'm going to do what it says. You see... I'm going to close with this. The Christian life and the gospel is not complicated. We do, it, it gets complicated for some people, but it's not complicated. If you could just throw me um, a scripture up in 1 Corinthians and 121. This is, this is the simplicity of the gospel. This is the simplicity of the Christian walk. 1 Corinthians 1 and 22, it says this. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. It's the gospel. That's the gospel, friends. Jesus died and rose again. Hallelujah. To the Jews. The Jews, they just wanted something 
that looked really impressive. They looked for signs. They were constantly looking for signs. Something that really arrested people's attention. A man, a man dying on a cross, a cross of all things. How can that be a powerful sign for deliverance, for setting free, uh, for liberty, for freedom from sin? How can that be? It's Christ crucified. It was to the Jews a stumbling block. To the Greeks, the Greeks who sought after wisdom, sought after intellectual um, acquisition and prowess, to the Greeks, foolishness. What, is, what, seems, what seems intellectual about a gospel that says, if you will believe that Jesus died for you, if you, will, if you will turn around, if you will have a change of mind in the way that you are walking, if you will surrender your life to the reality and the truth and the, the belief that Christ died for your sins, what is there intellectual about that? That Jesus will save your soul. And yet, as Paul says, this is the very power of God unto salvation. The way, to, the way to live, friends, as a Christian, it's not complicated. It's about obedience. It's about, it's about following. We're not good at following. We're not good at obedience so often. But it is as simple as that, friends. You know, we've all, most of us, have all been to Ikea, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's not far from you. You know, people just love to go to Ikea. Uh, and they get, you know, they've got this fantastic uh, computer desk. I, I use that because it can be a bit complicated. You know, computer desk. But, you know, you see it in Ikea, it's all set up and everything. You go to the counter and it's just a square box. <laughs> so you get home um, and, and, and your wife sort of looking over you. I'm going to do it. I, I can do it. You know, you know. So what do we do? We, 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 we get it out. We tip it out. And instructions come. Instructions, the first line of something says this. You know, follow these instructions, A, B, C, etc. First instruction. Make sure you've got all the parts. They should be bag A, B, C, etc. So, yeah. You look at how many parts there are, you know. There's hundreds of the things. All these parts. Do you follow them? Do you, do you line them up like it looks like on the photograph? You don't line them up. You say, I don't need it. I don't need these instructions. You know, I'm a man. <laughs> An alpha male. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> so you, you start, you know, you start with the biggest piece. You know, when I, you know, and then you get into a mess. So, or even worse, this is the worst, isn't it? You think you've got it all together and it's perfect. The only problem is there's loads of pieces still on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Would, 
We're not good at following. The Christian life is about obeying. It's about following. He's given it. He's given it. He's laid it. It's, 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 it's really uncomplicated. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how, how straightforward it, it, it is. We just turn to Luke. Because people came to Jesus. In fact, a very clever man, a lawyer, thinking it was clever anyway. He came to Jesus. You know, what do I need to do? What do I need to do that I might inherit eternal life? And this is what Jesus said to him. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. That's, that's as simple as it is, friends. That's as straightforward and uncomplicated as it is if we're going to follow Jesus. If we're going to obey him. Just love, love God with everything that you've got. Love God with everything. Everything. All your strength. All your heart. Just love God. That's what God wants from us this morning, friends. You know, we, we, we often, you know, talk and, and complicate it by, you know, adding this rule and that, and that direction and this must and that must not. If we just grasp this this morning, I will love you, Lord, with everything that I've got and my neighbour as myself, there'll be no room. There will be no room for all the other things. You know, the problems, you know, the problems that so often beset us and that we struggle with. You know, those habits that easily creep in, those things that prick our conscience, those areas that Andy talked about where, you know, our fingers get burnt. There's no room for it. We start to love the Lord with all our heart. When we start to obey Him, because it's a matter of the heart. You see, when God, when God, and this is really what it comes down to, when God created man, and I, I believe that, I may, you know, time's going, but I just want to say regardless of what um, academic, um, academics would insist on, regardless, uh, and I don't despise them, Regardless of what curriculums, universities and, and our schools may teach, regardless of political correctness, I don't tread on too many toes here, I still believe that God made Adam. I believe that God took, took dust and formed man from the dust of the earth. And breathe, God, God, whose presence we're in, we're in today. God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. I believe that, friends. Hallelujah. You know, the human body is so fantastic. It's just so wonderful. That's why the psalmist says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, the brain, the brain... There isn't a computer that comes near the ability of the brain. And we don't understand, we only understand a fraction of the brain. 
but there isn't a computer that comes near it. Even with all the pursuit of AI, artificial intelligence, you know, there isn't anything that comes near the ability and the scope of the human brain. Our lungs, our lungs, the surface area of our lungs would actually, you know, that that's responsible for us breathing and exchanging oxygen, the surface area is the equivalent to the size of uh, a full-sized tennis court. The, the speed with which nerves are transmitted and send messages across our whole body is faster than any rocket. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. But what is absolutely amazing for me is this, that God planted within that individual and within every individual here this morning, he planted something called our will. Our will. He gave to you, to me, he gave a free will. He gave the will to be able to choose. To be able, imagine this, to God. To be able to say to God, no. The very, the very creator. To say no. The creator to say to the creator, no. God put that into your hands. To say yes, I'm willing. This is what Oswald Chambers says. If I obey Jesus Christ, if I surrender to him, the redemption of God will flow through me to the lives of others. Because behind the deed of obedience is the reality of almighty God. So often in, in the scriptures you come across one word that precedes what God is asking for. And it's this word, small two-letter word called if. If. God leaves you. God leaves you with a choice this morning to obey him, to surrender to him, or to walk away. I want, I want you to think about this morning who it is who leaves you with that hiff. We sang about it. We worshipped him this morning. It's the one who said he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It's not just any individual that's asking you to obey him. It's not any individual who's just saying, will you follow me? It's not any individual who's saying, you know, will you love me with all your heart and soul? We're talking, we're talking about the one that bled for you. We're talking about the one who, when he was faced with it all, his will was surrendered to his father's. I pray this morning, this is the family that is blessed. 
This is the family that was blessed. Elkanah his family. They were blessed because they set themselves out to be a family that obeyed. I pray this morning there might be families here that are blessed because they set their stall out to obey. Individuals who will say, I am going to establish a line of faith from this day. And those who come after me, that they might be saved with my household. I'm going to invite Debs up. And the worship team, please. And then would, would you, I'm just going to give you opportunity. If you want us to pray for you, you know, we, we want to do that. But I'll come back when Debs.
pray for families here this morning. I'd like to pray for people who will be fathers to the church, mothers of Israel, children who will grow up to listen to hear God speak into their lives. And the altar is, is empty, it's open. And I'm not suggesting you need to come here because it, again, it's about a matter of the heart, isn't it? But if you want me to pray for you as a family or as an individual who from this moment is going to believe God to work within your own family, then without any embarrassment to anyone, I wonder if you'd just like to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. Jesus. 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 Come, Lord. We just thank you, Heavenly Father, this morning for this time of family, for family to come together. I pray, Lord, for these families. I pray for families, Lord, within your church. We're united, Lord, in their desire to see lines of faith established through them to generations. To leave their mark, Lord, upon this time and, Lord, this society. God, I just lift them before you this morning. I pray, Lord, now for individuals, Lord. Lord, for young men, Lord. And young women who you will take up, Lord. And use, Lord, to establish the kingdom across the nations of the world. I pray, Lord, that you will plant your word into their hearts and into their lives. I pray that, Lord, you will fill them with the Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray you'll baptize them, saturate them in yourself. All the people said. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Be blessed. And of course, there's no tea and coffee now. Uh, but thanks very much for, for just bearing with me as I burn my heart. Just be blessed this afternoon. Have a good day. Have a good week. Is there anything more, Nathan?